Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. To left center, deep, gone, Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game. Hey, Brewers fans, it's Brewers Unfiltered, episode seven of this 2023 season. Good morning to all of you. Good afternoon, whenever you may be listening to this. Sophia Minner, Adam McCalvey, Tim Dillard, getting you your, your weekly fix of Brewers baseball. And guys, here we are uh, Tuesday morning in Milwaukee playing the Detroit Tigers. And for the first time all season, there's a losing streak. The Brewers, for the first time, have dropped back-to-back games. Uh, Sunday, the series finale against the Bo- against Boston. And then last night, the opening series against the Tigers. However, they're still coming in 15-8. and eight, um, And they've only dropped two series so far. And as we're getting going here, injuries already um, – have been a story for the team this season. And most recently on the road trip, it was Garrett Mitchell, Garrett Mitchell, uh, with that left shoulder subluxation, which is a very fancy word for Ooh. partial dislocation. Nice job pulling that out at this early <laughs> hour as we record. I'm really impressed. Okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, it took a little, took a little practice for that one, but really tough news for Garrett Mitchell with that injury. Um, he, is going for a second opinion. He is currently in Los Angeles seeing Dr. Neil Elitrash. He could have surgery as soon as this week. Uh, so overall, very tough news for Garrett Mitchell, guys. And kind of what does that do now for the outfield picture? Well, it's complicated by the fact that Sal Freelich has the worst luck of any person in the world because he injured himself on a slide the same night Garrett Mitchell got hurt. And Sal would have been the obvious, I think, call up um, for a long-term absence for Garrett Mitchell. But now we're also waiting on Sal to get a second opinion. He sprained his left thumb and I've heard varying like stories of what the seriousness is. I think they thought it was pretty serious early on, but the last I heard was they were more encouraged recently. So we're kind of waiting on that too. So it, it's a test of their depth. I mean, the two areas that have been tested early are the starting pitching all the way back into spring training with Ashby and Hauser going down. And now um, sort of this deep outfield core is being tested. I would say the good thing is if you had to pick two areas of the brewers that are the deepest, it's probably those areas, right? Starting pitching and an outfield. Yeah. You could even throw Jason Alexander in the mix when you go into starting pitching. Yeah. Cause then they had to start going and looking for, you know, who they could find to fill in and eat up innings. But the outfield, I mean, Yelich has been playing pretty good defense in left field. Obviously, you know, doing what he does at the plate. And Joey Weimer, I mean, that guy, I, I mean, he's a, an exceptional elite outfielder. And I think center field is his jam, honestly. Like, he's good and right. We've seen it. But Joey Weimer moving to center field, it's almost like he just wants every ball to be hit to him. <laughs> we were wow. actually in center field right at him in the camera well. That was up, so cool. That was very cool. Uh, I didn't post anything about it. I didn't even take a picture of myself up there. I, I was forgot. afraid to post about it because I thought we'd get in trouble. No, I don't. 
you think we'd get in trouble? Well, I don't know. Now we're talking about it on the podcast. <laughs> oh, so. yeah. Well, too late. Kashan was, was like, yeah. Craig Kashan got on Instagram faster than anybody I've ever seen. Before and the game he, started, he said, absolutely. I almost dropped my phone. I was like, Joey Weimer, pick it up and he'll throw it up. <laughs> <laughs> like on a line. I wonder no. if anybody sitting in the stands that like looked at that little black box in center field where uh, the, the camera is and thought, who are those people out there? I don't normally yeah. see those people. Who's that bearded guy jumping up and down? <laughs> yeah. No, but just to see Weimer, you know, just the way he reacts to balls and stuff like that, you know, it's just he's an elite defensive guy. So as far as that's concerned, I mean, he's going to cover all, you know, tons of ground. He's the real estate agent out there in center field. So I think they're fine with the outfield depth. I mean, uh, Owen Miller could play out there. Obviously, Perkins is up and he's playing. So, I mean, they do have options. It's not like Brian Anderson can't play right field. I just in a perfect world where the outfielders are all healthy, I feel like Brian Anderson would just be playing third base and we'd all be, you know, everything would be fine. But I think they're good in the outfield right now. Well, I just to, to, to follow up on Weimer. I mean, he's not performed that well at the plate so far i think the last couple of games you're actually seeing him drive a couple balls to left field which is which is good he's gotten a lot of infield hits he's he's had the ball on the ground on the infield a lot in his at bats and obviously we've all seen like the minor league highlights this guy has a light literal light tower power he literally hit the light tower in i think in biloxi um carolina i'm just gonna name all the affiliates and it's one of them is (laughs) is right but he literally hit a light tower on a home run and and that will come but i think what's it's made it a no brainer that he stays up here is a that they need him but b that he's played this sensational center field in addition yeah. to what he's done in right and council sophia was there yesterday when craig council was talking about it with one of the detroit reporters who came over to kind of get a scouting report on the brewers and um you know, council was great. Just talking about how Weimer, t- he just looks different. Like there's the smooth center fielder. There's the Jim Edmonds. And then there's on the other side, Joey Weimer. Um, and it's, I don't know. It's like an example in baseball, how, how you can do it in all kinds of different ways. Well, he could, he would crash through a wall to catch a ball. Like that's yeah. the sense I get. Like if I'm on the mound and a ball's hit the center field, I'm like, Oh, good. Right. There's, you can go around the infield and you'd be like, oh, yeah, I trust all these guys. But balls hit the wherever Weimer's at. You're like, oh, yeah, even if it's a hit, you're thinking he's going to make something happen because he's just that kind of dynamic of a player. I look at his what about the catcher? That's like a really good framer, but he bats 190, but he plays all the time because he's that valuable on defense. That's Weimer. He can bat 150 right now. It doesn't matter. They need his glove out there in the outfield. But luckily, he's not. He's actually swinging the bat really well. One I one thing I think he's seen more breaking balls than anyone in baseball, and he's just learning now to keep his hands back. I feel like with his real you know movement swing, he's falling forward so fast he can't keep his hands back. But probably in the last like three or four games, he's really made a conscious effort to do that. So anyway, that's what I look for when I'm trying to get somebody out. But that's what I <laughs> that's what I've seen. He's keeping his hands back now, so now my off speed doesn't look as you know, dangerous to him. The other thing too, is like that outfield depth was tested right away at spring training with the injury to Tyrone Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of the first domino of the pieces in the outfield and, and Tyrone, he ended up having to get the PRP injection in the right elbow that set him back. He's now worked his way back. He's been playing games in Arizona for the last week. And now Actually, tonight on Tuesday, as we're recording this, he's going to start his rehab assignment with the Nashville Sounds. And so, you know, Craig had told us you basically have to treat Tyrone 
of like, this is his spring training (laughs) and this is, he's building up essentially from scratch because spring training was basically a non-starter for him with that right elbow injury. So, you know, Tyrone is going to be ready at some point uh, once he gets going here this week with Nashville. So that's like another piece. And and as you guys said, we're still waiting to hear on the severity of Sal Freelich's thumb injury. And in the meantime, they've got Blake Perkins up. They feel pretty good about the defense they can get from him there in the corners. And he was another player that was added right um, outside of the organization coming from the Yankees last year to address some of that depth. Um, and, and Tim, you kind of touched on this too, of like in the perfect world, you know, Brian Anderson, what he's able to do of being in right field, but also playing a really solid third base, um, you know, and you just said in your perfect world, you'd prefer him to be in the infield all the time, but Craig has like really raved about his defense about just what that does. I think he described it as like raising the floor for the rest of the defense and just how challenging that is um, to do it day to day. Like he is uh, the defense all the way around has been stellar. Bryce Terang continues to make everything look easy, showing off his range. Adamas is, you know, making plays that, you know, early inning, he made two web gems in like the first inning the other day out of nowhere. I mean, you're like, who's ready? You know, first pitch. Willie Adamas is ready. First pitch. And of course, Telez of they're picking everything. Uh, just, just throw the ball over there. He'll pick it and make something happen. Uh, but yes, I, I really like Brian Anderson at third. But, you know, Blake Perkins is has got great range, too. He's a natural center fielder and he's covered a lot of ground. So one thing that this Brewers team has is just really good defense. And that confidence is what the pitchers feel when they're on the mound. They're like, OK, I can pitch to contact. That way these guys can make their plays. Yeah, Sophia, just on, Ty- on Tyrone Taylor, because he could be pretty important to what comes next, I think. As you said, it's you have to think about this as a kind of a longer term buildup. In other words, he's not going to play like three games in Nashville mm-hmm. and then show up with the Brewers, um, you know, against the Angels on Friday. So I think you we have to set our sights a little bit longer with him. And he's such an interesting player because he's made an impact in some games. I mean, with the Tigers in town, I'm thinking about that one. What was it? Nineteen run game in in Detroit a couple of years ago where Tyrone Taylor was driving the bus um and he he has the ability to be a really a big impact player it seems like when he's gotten chances to play every day something's happened that has stopped him from being productive for a long period of time and when he's done his damage it's been in the kind of sporadic playing time so I'm I'm kind of curious once he does get back whether that's Next week, the week after maybe is more likely what sort of role he slides into. I think the fact he hits right-handed helps him because they have so many left-handed hitting outfielders um, around him. And Perkins is a a switch hitter. Um, And I I just think we've forgotten a little bit about Tyrone Taylor from the start because he was hurt. And then we were looking at these, you know, the, the, the freshman outfielders were getting so much attention and doing things in spring training that warranted attention and, and in the regular season. So I think uh, Tyrone Taylor has been a little bit of a forgotten man and and has an opportunity in the next, like I said, couple of weeks to to really help. Yeah, and the thing about Tyrone is like he can play really good defense at all three outfields. And that's what Craig loves about Tyrone and his skill set is like he played 120 games, made 103 starts, 75 in center field, 19 in right field, and nine in left. 
Um, and it was like career numbers for him offensively, granted smaller sample size, but to your point, Adam, it was because he was taking advantage of that everyday playing time. That was, you know, it was a career high for him in terms of the games played, the at-bats he got, what he was able to do with that pro- production offensively. So I think he's he's definitely going to help once once he's ready. Well, too, there was an article that came out before the season started after the new rules were announced, and they were talking about all the different batters that would be affected by the new banning of the shift and things like that. And if, in fact, Tyrone Taylor was one of the only like right-handed hitters that would actually benefit from some of these new shifting restrictions. So I was actually excited about spring training. I kind of wanted to see how that was going to play out and what that looks like. Um, Cause we could obviously tell for lefties, but for whatever reason, the metrics, you know, in this article is talking about it lines up to really benefit Tyrone Taylor. And so we were, we were robbed of that <laughs> with his injury. So yeah, when he comes back, it's not only the defensive glove and the versatility in the outfield, but you know, he may have a leg up on just, you know, capitalizing on what, even what he did last year with these, with these rules. So anyway, I'm excited for that too. So hopefully he'll be back soon. Well, we've been talking a lot about the outfield, the moving pieces with Garrett Mitchell's injury and one of Craig's favorite terms, the run prevention unit, the defense overall. We're going to talk a lot about the Brewers defense, the great start that they're off to this season. Stick around for more on Brewers Unfiltered. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on Brewers Unfiltered, it's Sophia, Adam, and Tim. And guys, the run prevention unit. This is one of the most important phases for the Brewers, especially this year. Um, You know, we've talked a lot about the pitching staff and how much they're going to rely on, especially the starting rotation. But overall, you know, the pitching staff has done their job. They, They started the series against the Tigers with a 347 team earned run average. The starters just a bit higher than that at 366. Obviously, they've taken a hit um, with Brandon Woodruff missing the last couple starts going back on the road trip. But one thing that's interesting about the pitching staff so far, again, starting that Detroit series, they came in with 7.63 strikeouts per nine, which would currently put them 14th in the National League and 27th overall across Major League Baseball. And this is very, again, it's early, it's 23 games, but it's just different than how we've seen the Brewers pitching staff operate before of being very strikeout heavy. So they are relying a lot on their defense. And part of that is how the pitching staff has performed so far. Good news there. <laughs> the run prevention unit has, has done their job as well, currently coming in with the second best defense in the national league. Um, this is huge, right? Of like how much pitchers are are pitching to contact 
We've talked a lot about the athleticism across the infield, the outfield, and defensive runs saved. What do you guys think has been the biggest factor for why they're performing this way defensively? I mean, I haven't talked to anybody specifically, but I think when you start talking about the tempo, of the game is a little bit higher. Um, and the fact that, you know, the, the shifting, the new rules, basically contact is going to win. People are just trying to make contact. So if a guy's just up there trying to make contact rather than hit a home run every time, they're harder to strike out, right? Like there was a time when just swing for the fence. And if you don't, you strike out and everybody's okay with that. Well, now people are starting to hit the ball more. They're trying to make contact. You're rewarded more for it now. And it, I think with that, if you spend more pitches trying to strike somebody out, it could be, it couldn't, it could work out not in your favor. So would you rather reliever come in, throw one inning, throw 25 pitches and get three outs with three strikeouts or a guy come in that throws 10 pitches and gets three quick outs using the defense going for weak contact, which the Brewers are exceptional at, um, and then strike out people when you need to, you look at Hobie Milner, he had, he strikes out guys when he needs to, but for the most part, he just stays away from the barrel. And also Devin Williams, seven innings, 12 strikeouts. So you're the closer striking people out. That's what you want. As long as the closer striking people out, everybody else can kind of just rely on their infield and the dinker pop-ups and stuff. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing guys with great pitching stuff in the zone and also at the same time being very, um, whatever, efficient, efficient with their pitches. That way they can bounce back faster. That's my goal. That's what I think anyway. Well, I heard two two different things, Sophia. One on the pitchers not striking out as much, and then two on the defense, and they're obviously connected. The pitchers not striking out big numbers is a couple things for me. Mostly Burns, Woodruff, Peralta mm-hmm. are not putting up the huge strikeout totals, and that's where so many of your – well, really, and I'd put Eric Lauer in that category too because we've seen plenty of double-digit strikeout games from him, but – Burns is not getting the swing and miss, the big strikeout numbers that he's used to getting. Um, and it's early. It's early. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's probably what they would say about that. I don't think there's any worry, even after that scare with the <clears throat> with the pectoral thing in uh, in his start in, in Seattle on that epic road trip. Um, Woodruff obviously is out, so he's not striking anybody out unless he's thrown to Josie at home. Um, and... Freddie Pralt is also not, I mean, he's seven strikeouts in each of his last two starts. So it's not like he's not getting strikeouts, but we just haven't seen those big, like 11 strikeout games, 12 strikeout games. And maybe that's what Tim's talking about is that baseball is quickly adapting to just putting the ball in play more with the pace of the game. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see what that looks like as we move forward. The defense to me, it's a hundred percent about the new guys. And you're talking about William Contreras behind the plate. I wrote about him last night because the game was a dog. So I wrote about William Contreras instead because I wanted nothing to do with that baseball game last night. That was the worst game of the year for me. I hated it. Um, <laughs> Tell us what you really yeah, write about what you hated really that think. game so much. Um, was that your lead? <laughs> yeah, I hated this game. Here are some words from Nestor Corridor about William Contreras. Please go read uh, Brewers.com. Yeah. Um, Contreras behind the plate, Anderson at third and right, as we mm-hmm. said sort of in the last segment. I mean, easy Brewers MVP for me so far for April is Brian Anderson with what he's done offensively and, and at two positions, not just like covering two positions, but like excelling at two positions is is huge. And then the kids, right? Mitchell was obviously great in center, but, but Weimer and Bryce Trang, and Tim mentioned this, 
I hope everybody is like, not to like nerd out because please go to a ball game and get popcorn and sit there and chill out and watch the game with your friends. But maybe one day, like watch Bryce Trang. He played shortstop. Uh, the only good thing besides William Contreras hitting a homer and wearing the cheese head for the first time on Monday night against the Tigers was that Bryce Trang made this play leading off the game where Badu hits a kind of a scorcher off the mound. It takes a weird hop off the mound and then short hops to Bryce Trang at short. It was like the most routine looking play it was 100% not a routine play for Bryce Trang to lead off the game yesterday. He just makes these really difficult things on the field look easy. Um, and it's worth just kind of like zeroing in on him. So anyway, all of those combination of the new guys, I think has changed this into a really, really good defense. And as Sophia said, one of the best statistically so far in the league, and it's making a huge difference for a pitching staff that is much more contact oriented. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's uh is it the chicken or the egg, right? Like, sure. Are, are they pitching a contact because they have such a great defense, you know, or, or vice versa. So uh, to me, if I'm on the mound, there's been times where I've had guys behind me, I trusted with my life. And I'm like, I'm not trying to strike anybody out. I want them to hit the ball. And I would just throw it and guys would hit on the ground. I'd watch these, these magicians behind me, you know, cook up potions and double plays. And I mean, that's just such a great feeling as a pitcher. It's just like a burden is lifted. Like you don't have to strike out the world. And I think at times last year, it was like, you have to strike out the world or we're not going to win this game. And so hopefully the the starters and the relievers can feel that pressure being alleviated a little bit. Like, hey, just go for weak contact, which the Brewers have done exceptional at. Tim, of all your travels, who who was the best defender you played in front of? Played like I played in front of him, or he was behind me, or well, yeah. Wait, <laughs> you, those are the same thing. Yeah, oh yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Um, I don't know. Or, Orlando Arcia was was fantastic. I watched that yeah. guy. He was two steps ahead of every single thing that happened. He would tell me pitches to throw at times. Um. Even before that, Ozzy Chavez, even in lower levels, he was really good. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, you know, he's a wizard out there. Um, man, there's a lot. I, I've had a lot. Uh, Alcides Escobar. I, I'm naming all shortstops because they have a, such a demanding job. But I'm I'm rating this on how well they can come in, turn double plays, field balls in the gap, show off their arm, go in the outfield. And when you have a leader like that, that's just literally telling people what to do. I'm just like, hey, when you're done directing traffic, I'm going to sit there and throw this pitch and let y'all do what you do and it, it's it's elite when these guys have that intuition it's just elite how did rca call pitches you talking like between innings or he'd yeah. be out there at shortstop no, no, no. being like curveball no no i like I, you could tell he was good like they delivered his gold glove the year we had him in triple a that he had won in double a the year before and just getting to know him and seeing how he navigates the field and where he's playing and then i'm on the mound and i got a you know guy on first <laughs> which is pretty standard for me. <laughs> There's at least one guy on. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I, I my curveball was really good. I'm going to throw a curveball and I hear this, you know, like little whistle, like, psh, psh, and I step off and look and he's like, he goes, no, no, no. He's like, tell me fastball in. So I was like, okay, I trust him, you know, <laughs> and we do that. We throw fastball in and he comes charging in on a dinker and that got by me and he fields it and just with his glove shoots it over to Nate Orff and Nate Orff turns double play. I mean, it was spectacular, but like you're talking about with terrain, like it looked super easy. Yeah. We get in the dugout and, and Orf is just it, like catatonic almost. He's just like, wow. And I'm like, dude, wh- that was a good play, but I think you're overselling this. And he's like, dude, right before he yelled for you to throw a fastball in, he, he told me, Hey, be ready. I'm going to flip it to you with my glove. I was like, what? <laughs> like he just, 
he saw it for what it is and said, this is how we're going to do this. And I was, and then he set the wheels in motion and exactly what he was thinking in his head happened. And there was a lot of instances like that pitchers that season with him in triple a, which is a tough place to play in Colorado Springs have a bunch of stories about Arcia. He's just, he's just thinking differently. He's thinking fourth dimensionally. Well, and how great is it that, you know, for example, last night they were loading up with right-handed hitters against Matthew Boyd. And we know you pretty much have to like fight Willie Adamas tooth and nail to like get him <laughs> out of the infield. Yeah. And so he was in a, at the DH last night and with Bryce Trang at shortstop, you're not giving up anything defensively. Yep. And I don't mean that as a slight to Willie Adamas because, you know, he very much wants to win a gold glove and should be in that conversation um, for shortstops. But you're not giving up anything with Terang. Terang has already turned 11 double plays on the season, four defensive runs saved, I think. Joey Weimer, handful of defensive runs saved. Christian Yelich, by the way, plus three defensive runs saved. Yelich has been really good in the outfield as well. We've talked about that too um, with Craig. And, you know, we were talking about Bryce Terang, and Craig was asked about that, about his defense. And he said, I think he said it best. He was like, what play hasn't he made? Right. Like just look at just looking at the body of work, 20 plus games, like what play hasn't he made? You can't name a single play that he has not made. He gets there like he's obviously very athletic. Uh, He's, you know, really light on his feet. He's really agile. He's got really good hands. He's always in a good position. He always makes an accurate throw. I mean, it's like he's just checking all the boxes and to to have that kind of defense up the middle. Uh, when you think about William Contreras behind the plate, when you think about Willie and Bryce, and and then you think about Garrett and now Joey in center field, it's like this is maybe as good of defense up the middle as what we've seen in in recent years. I think. I mean, and and I think it's fun. You see the fans like they're already starting to drop the the low K not today on on some of these Joey Weaver plays, which I think I'm like anytime you're compared to low K in center field, you're you're obviously doing a lot of things right. Well, just and on terrain, Sophia, because you're right, the light on his feet thing is really important because there is a lot being put on second baseman mm-hmm. relative to like recent years where the shifts put all these defenders against the rowdy Telezes of the world, the left-handed sluggers, particularly, put all these defenders on that side of the infield. Now the second baseman is there by himself, and range is rewarded, and the Brewers have it. And you know, I think credit to like Matt Arnold and and all the, his guys for sort of seeing ahead to the value that Terang, a player like Terang could bring in this new era of baseball. Um, it's, it's one of those little things, but I think when you watch the games and we see the other, you know, w- what the other team has at second base, how it impacts these games. Um, that that's one of the biggest changes I think in this first month of the season compared to the last couple of years. A big part of that too, guys, is we're going to, we're going to throw away the Sunday eighth inning. (laughs) That was the inning that wouldn't end (laughs) the inning. We're going to throw away just the, the inning that shall not be named the eighth inning against the Red Sox. Um, we, we, we did see some shakeup in the bullpen after that, um, Matt Bush going on the IL, with the right rotator cuff and he's going to be shut down two to four weeks. So that's, that's going to be a, a pretty significant absence. And then Javi Guerra was designated for assignment. Um, after that game, just the command issues just could not, could not get that right. And so we've, we've added Jay cousins to the mix and we've added another lefty to the mix mix with Alex Claudio, but 
you know, aside from that inning, this has been the most best bullpen in baseball. Kind of who are your your early uh, bullpen MVP? I know it's a little early for award season. Tim is the bullpen guru, but I it's to me, Bryce Wilson has been. Oh, yeah. Is that your guy? Is <laughs> I mean, how do you not? I mean, he's yeah. it's what he's doing out of the bullpen is is amazing. Sorry, you go ahead. You go ahead. Well, I mean, it's just it's not a sexy role, the long guy, right? And because of the nature of the game now, where the bullpen is siphoning up so many innings compared to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, there's not really like I remember Dave Burba being the Brewers long man. Anybody remember? He just came up the other day. Oh, he was the last guy to get multiple three inning saves in a season before Bryce Wilson. That's why his yep. name came up. But like he was a true long guy. Now you, your long guy needs to be a, a, a someone who can give you a three inning save when you need, when you want to, you know, eat up a bunch of innings and reset your, the rest of your pen. But he also is going to need to pitch like, you know, the ninth inning when you're down or the, eighth inning of a tie game or, you know, he's going to pitch in all kinds of different spots. And Bryce Wilson has done that. It is a, you know, it's not a role that gets lots of headlines, but it is a really important role in just keeping the bullpen in good shape and, and avoiding those weeks where you're ragged because you've worn everybody out. So he is, he's, he's been like sneaky, really important to the, the good things that have happened in, the, in that pen and why they've, they performed well. Well, too, he's kind of taken over for Brent Suter, which a couple of years ago, Suter had, you know, all like led the team in wins or whatever because of that role. And it's, it shows you how important it is. The, the flip side of that is, you know, they, they call it the mop up role. Hey, you got to be able to mop this up. But he's getting really important innings and he has to mop it up like he's keeping the game close. That's why he has what he has a win and a couple of saves. I mean, he's pitching right in the mix of it. He's pitched in extra innings with the Manfred Ghost Runner on second. Uh, which is a really tough spot to pitch in. He has been in everything imaginable, and he still goes out there and he fills up the zone and make things happen. He didn't care the score, and you almost have to have that kind of swagger when you're in that role. You know, you don't care. You, you pitch like it's a tie game because if you keep it close enough, usually he's in the seventh inning. You know, there's still time if you're behind, and at the same time, if you're not behind, you got to keep it close to make sure you can turn it over to your you know back end guys. So anyway, I just every single time he's out there, it's it seems important. Right. And he knows the assignment. He volunteers his tribute. And now we're starting to look at every time a game comes up, you're like, well, okay, Bryce Wilson, how many pitches he throw last time out? <laughs> Is he going to be available today? Oh, he's not available today. Okay. So you're, he's, he's in that mix. And that's just, that's what keeps everyone else fresh down there. Otherwise you're going to have guys going back to back to back days. And there's going to be multiple guys doing that. Um, so it's larger than just mopping up. He's pitching important innings and he's keeping everyone else fresh. So that's Yeah. That, that's what the glue that kind of keeps the whole bullpen together is that guy. Yeah. Can right. I still be skeptic though? Like, no, they're, they're, <laughs> I'm going to be the bullpen skeptic all year okay. until they, until, you know, they get to the end of the year and lead the majors in ERA. They are stretched to the absolute ends of their depth. It seems to me with, with cousins and, and they had to add Claudio to the 40. There's not a lot of optionability. With the with you know they can't send guys up and down because very does cousins must still have an option. I need to look that up, I guess. But but they don't have guys. You know what you want is a group of relievers where you have like three of them with options, so that when they pitch two innings in a you know whatever game, you send them down, you bring in a fresh arm, and you keep cycling guys. We've seen this over the last couple of years. It's like the art of bullpen management. They they are they are they don't have that with this particular group. Um, so. 
I, I mean, I, obviously, it's it's a great thing if they can sustain this throughout the course of the season. I'm just going to still remain a little skeptical that this will be a top five bullpen in the majors. And, well, and right. maybe they completely prove me wrong, and I'll eat crow on the podcast. Ooh, <laughs> cook it first. <laughs> no, I think it, it reflects, honestly, in this you know moment of the season, just a small fraction of time. Um, it kind of goes with the starters. The starters throw six, everything's great. You know, if a guy goes four or five, it's not as great. And that's the difference. And every once in a while, you got to have one of those guys go seven or go eight. And when that happens, everything kind of resets and everybody's fine again. So they're just kind of going through a stretch, I think, where they've just had to eat up more innings than usual. And yeah. going back to that eighth inning, that nightmare inning, the inning that will not be named, <laughs> like Sophia said, <laughs> everything that could go wrong, did go wrong. And those games happen. I've been a part of those games. I've caused those games. <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> it just happens. There's no rhyme or reason. You don't know why it happened. It's a one pitch kind of sets off a, a you know, a, a lights a fuse for the other team and uh, you just have to deal with it and move on. So I, I think, you know, players move on very quickly, even from something like that. So hopefully the bullpen can just maintain it. I, I'm going I'm to stick with them and stick to my guns. I think this is a really good bullpen because they're going to stay fresh because they don't have to strike everybody out and throw 30 pitches an inning. They don't. They can get the weak contact, let the defense play. Well, and Adam, to your point, I think that's why we had so many questions about what this bullpen was even going to look like in terms yep. of putting it together from the start because of how many guys were either non-roster invitees, which by the way, Bryce Wilson was one of those guys. Yep. And uh, players who were out of options, you know, and and ultimately that's why Javi Guerra had to be designated for assignment. You know, they just he he didn't have any other options. And, you know, Craig said it's like you can't you can't allow for that long of development to happen without the performance. Right. You've got to have both happening. Um, and. I think, you know, the starters have a huge role in what that does for the bullpen, too. We had a note on the broadcast last night that the starters are going 5.6 innings per game, which is the third most in the big leagues. Like that's a huge reason for what what's happening uh, with this pitching staff. And, you know, we talk all the time about how connected those two groups are in terms of, you know, appearances and innings and multi innings and all of that. So um, Bryce Wilson, though, he's definitely getting it done for the bullpen. Uh, we're going to take another quick break and then we will wrap up here on Brewers Unfiltered. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're back on Brewers Unfiltered. We're going to wrap it up here with a little rapid round. And Adam and Tim, you guys were talking about the field trip that you guys took out to our center field camera so for fans that's that's the camera that you see that shows you you know the pitcher behind the mound the tight angle um, so you can see the release you can see the pitch coming out of their hand we have extremely talented camera operators there Dwayne Rodriguez is out there my guy Woody Keith Woody. Wood is out there you guys got to go see Woody who I think has been 
with the Brewers. It feels like almost close to the 50 plus years of Brewers baseball. But anyway, you guys got a chance to go out there. So we were talking, you guys got to be out there for an inning or two. Where would you most want to watch a game in an area that like isn't accessible to you, (laughs) i.e. not the press box and i.e. not the Brewers live set in right field? Where are you going? Well, and I'm not saying this just to like blow smoke, but I would like to do the Sophia. I would love to trade places with Sophia for a game. Sophia can write a fine, a nice article for brewers.com. And I will do the sideline because the camera. Well, I've never even climbed in there before a game to like, see what it feels like to be. No, honestly, never. Never even there's a little, there's a little, uh, there's a ladder. Like a little ladder. Yeah. Yeah. No, never have done that. I did get to watch a game in the dugout when Prince Fielder and Ricky Weeks were in the Futures game. I mm-hmm. sat in the dugout with a laptop and did like a Q&A with the Futures game. I think it was National versus American League still then. Anyway, whatever. It was a group of prospects. And that was really cool. And the game went so fast. It was like over before I even blinked. Um, because you're right. Just a different advantage so anyway Sophia your spot is my spot that I would like to go to well your first step is to make it up and down the ladder and if you can do it if you can Uh, bring your um your high heels and if you can (laughs) heels yeah um, that is an extra level of difficulty I'm not I'm not the most graceful uh, person as you found out yesterday when I ran you over in the clubhouse (laughs) and I concussed Sophia last night because I wasn't paying attention where I was standing (laughs) Uh, so that would be, you're right. That would be the, the first problem for me. <laughs> I think you're Tim, where are you going? Tim, yeah, this I've, is kind of unfair. You've been everywhere. Yeah, I have. That's, I've been on the mound. I've been in the dugout. Um, I've actually been down to the camera. Well, I went down there and got Scott Paulus's camera and took some photos. They were not oh, yeah. that great of photos, but it was cool vantage point sitting down there. And part of you is a little scared too. You're watching it and it seems so close. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think I'd love to watch a game from the bullpen. I think if they gave me a, a security guard looking outfit, I feel like we could pull that off and nobody would even care just so I could be down there and and let them laugh at me. Like, who is this guy? You know, that'd be great. I, you I, could work the door. I could work the door. Oh God, you could be the, bull, to, the bullpen door guy. I would be. And I would. And I would honestly, that would be great, lines of encouragement. Uh, that would be great. Bally Sports Wisconsin little segment to get a little you know, mic you up like they do with the players. So no, it's not obvious. Don't, no, you bring a recording device down to that. Bullpen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The last time you go down to that. Bullpen. That's a good point. I forgot yeah. about that. I would yeah. like to be back down there just because, you know, it's been, it's been so long, right? Rose from Titanic. <laughs> it's been 84 <laughs> years. It's been 84 years since I've been in that bullpen. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Or be one of the line people, you know, like sit down there ball with boy. the, the mm-hmm. useless tarp and yeah, catch a, catch a ball. I could do that. Um, I would say I would say the bullpen too, just because that would be a very different vantage point. And like when I go out and do like our, you know, interviews with Rick Schlesinger or any guests that we have on the broadcast, we do them out at what we call the point, right? Which is that area that comes like right over center field and you're I'm lurking over the bullpen, basically. And I don't know. It's, it is. It's a really cool vantage point um, to see the game from out there. And then I think just all the bullpen shenanigans that we can't record, um, the conversations that happen out there, watching their guys go through their routines. I just think it'd be a very different perspective. Um, 
And so I think that would be, I think that would be my choice. Um, so what we need it, is it, like the Mission Impossible. We'll get you some like dim, repelling dim, gear dim, and dim, rappel dim, down dim, there. Bim, 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 bim. Well, it, you know, it's all, it's very relaxed, right? Like the dugout's cool, but you gotta, you gotta keep one eye on the game, right? Like you gotta keep that focus. Bullpen, first few innings, guys are just chillaxed. They're all trickling in, you know? And I remember one year in 2008, we had the bullpen Olympics. You know, we had all sorts of stuff going on. We were like had a, a game where we had these giant gumballs. Uh, we would also make little airplanes out of gum wrappers and we would throw them um, for distance. And then um, after the the homestand at the very end, we were giving out medals. <laughs> really? Seth, McClung, Seth McClung and Brian Schaus had medals. So at one point I, we got in trouble, too, because like the dugout was looking out there. We're all like standing on boxes and stuff like Star Wars, you know, like Chewbacca leaning over, like getting a medal. Um yeah, we got in trouble for that. But like also stuff too. Anytime somebody went in the bathroom, uh, do y'all not know this stuff? No, it's incredible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, mean, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Like every time you went to the, use the restroom, um, Shouse would go get the the big metal thing that they would pound the, the around the rubber, you know, like yeah. for the mound. Um, I mean, it's huge. It's heavy. But guys that didn't know this was going on, they'd go in the bathroom and he'd just walk over with that big giant thing and he would just smash the door with it. And you just hear the guy in there going, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, there's all sorts of stuff going on down there and it's it's amazing too because you see the guys every single day you travel on the bus with them you see them in the clubhouse but there's something about that bullpen that is just super amazing once you get down there and that game starts it's it's magical I'm, none of us said bernie's chalet is our spot i'm surprised oh that'd be cool yeah no. I think you're just a little too far removed, you know. Yeah, maybe. Like, yeah. You're a little too far removed to be, but you know, Bernie's always a good time. Plus, it's scary. It's, it's a little scary up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this this homestand's kind of interesting because with well, first of all, it's three American League teams, uh, which just feels odd. I think with having the Red Sox, the Tigers, and then coming up this weekend, the Angels. So. Uh, Miggy Cabrera is here in his final season, the now 40-year-old Miggy Cabrera. We think he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, maybe unanimous. Who knows? I mean, I don't think anyone's arguing against Miggy Cabrera as a Hall of Famer. And then we've got Mike Trout and Shohei Otani coming up this weekend. So if you could pick any player to see past or present, who would it be? Where are we watching from? Bullpen or our choice? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Bernie's old chalet, yeah, County old chalet, yeah, yeah, the yeah. mug. Um, I don't know. You, you always, well, my son, I, I'm I'm home back in Nashville, and my seven year old is doing whatever at school, and he was asking me. He's like, Dad, what's a legend? Like, what what's a legend oh. mean? And I was like, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth is a legend, and mm -hmm. you know, in baseball, I was like, Michael Jordan is a legend, you know, in basketball. And we kind of just went around. I was like, George Washington's a legendary president, you know, that kind of stuff. So he kind of got the appeal, um, but he got it right away. And I, the only thing I could come up with right away was Babe Ruth, right? Because when you, it's just synonymous, and you know, we mm -hmm. have a very little film of him playing. I would like to see some of that on the probably more the batting side. I don't know if I'd care as much watching him pitch. I would love to have watched. In my maturity now in my mind, or maybe when I was playing, if I can use the word maturity, I would love to watch Nolan Ryan pitch live, maybe when I was still pitching. I think if I was too young, I wouldn't care. And right now it would be a little difficult. But while I was still playing to watch Nolan Ryan pitch and to see how he did his job on the mound uh, in real time would be would have been pretty awesome. 
I was there for Nolan Ryan's 300th win. It was at County Stadium, and they handed out little like placards at the end. I was there, and I think I laminated it. Which is, I used oh. to do that with stuff, laminate things when I was a kid, which was very stupid. Well, it's so official. I know it was <laughs> very dumb. So I no like going laminated. back. <laughs> I I had a uh, remember the uh, what is it 86 tops traded is like Tim. You're too young. Oh, you're all too young for that. What? One of the best baseball card sets ever, and I like encased it in tape. And then like years later where I was like, oh, shoot, I kind of want to look at these. I had like cut it open. So I, my 86 tops traded is is in 86. I'm messing that up. Someone's <laughs> going to send me email. Um, mine would be Willie Mays because I have I mean, talk about legend. And in the in the conversation for the best player ever. And one of those players who did everything. Um. I would love to see Willie Mays play. And I got to be in his presence, which is really cool. And it was so random. We were walking in the clubhouse in San Francisco. Sophia, well, both of you know this. There's like, if you have like the really good seats in San Francisco, because it's on such a tiny footprint, there's no concourse to get to them. You go down into the tunnel to get to your seats. And it's like a lot of people. It's not like mm. just a very exclusive little, sometimes there's a club down there. But in San Francisco, like a lot of the lower bowl gets to go through the tunnel to get to their seats. So we're like walking through to get to the clubhouse. There's fans all around. And here comes Willie Mays rolling by on a golf cart. And it was like the coolest thing. One of the greatest players in the history of the sport is just like, just chilling, going through like in the airport, the, you know, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. And here's <laughs> Willie Mays. So we got to see him, but I would love to have seen him play. I should have said Steve Dillard. Oh yeah. <laughs> I guess I should have said Steve. <laughs> uh, he played infield. I, that wouldn't have helped me as a pitcher. <laughs> You're like, forget about that. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Dad. They actually listened too. So, yeah, my, I'm going to get a text message about that. All right. Well, Tim will be groveling for forgiveness, <laughs> but I have two. Um, the first would be Jackie Robinson. Um, I mean, for obvious reasons and just an absolutely insane career statistically that he had. Um, and my second one would be the gentleman that is framed in a photo behind Adam's shoulder, which is Mr. Henry Aaron. Um, mm -hmm. I would have loved to have seen him play live. Um, obviously, you know, we would get to see him occasionally when he would return to Milwaukee or see him in Atlanta. He's just, was such a gentleman, um, but I would have loved to have seen him play live. So those are those are my two, Jackie yep. Robinson and Hank Aaron. In his prime, Hank Aaron would be super cool. Yeah. And again, like you don't see a lot of of like film of it. No, I mean we see like the obvious highlights, right? Like we, you know, we see seven fifteen. We see, you know, we, you see some of those. Um, I feel like we see a lot of the same highlights, but yeah. Um, there's just not a lot of film and stuff right. from that era for whatever yeah. reason. And and before that, uh, it's hard to find video of my dad. You know, it's only news clippings where it's like Steve Dillard had a base hit today, you know, and they run it and it's on VHS, right? Like, and I actually heard one time when they moved from County Stadium um, to then Miller Park, there was all this film that they had, like a film room and like it didn't all make it or something. And then maybe, really? yeah, that's what I heard. Like there was just, because what'd you do with it after back in the day when it wasn't always nationally broadcast in some capacity, they would just take the film of that game and they would just put it in a room is what I heard. So you just had all this film and it didn't go to like 
ESPN or something like that. So a lot of stuff's just kind of lost. Um, well, kind of, kind of along those lines, unfortunately, the Brewers, I, I guess, I don't know, unfortunately for fans, but maybe fortunately for the Brewers offense, they're going to miss Shohei Otani, the pitcher. He is scheduled to start Thursday afternoon at home um, against the Oakland A's before they travel to Milwaukee to start the series on Friday. So I guess, are, are you more interested in Otani, the pitcher or Otani, the hitter? The Otani that would rather face the A's. <laughs> I'm just I mean, kidding. I'm just, Please don't I'm just beat saying, me up, You know, Mr. we've talked Otani. about with like the balance schedule. I think Adam, you were the one that coined it, like the Otani rule, right? Of that's what I think of it is, yeah, yeah, of, of like you probably put him and you probably put him and Mike Trout, right, as like two of the players at the top of the list of when you're marketing players and stars across the league um, for fans to see now every other year at their home parks. Um, this year we're getting the Angels again. They're missing Otani, the pitcher, by one by one day, as it stands today on Tuesday. Um, everything is always subject to change. But I guess Otani, the pitcher, or Otani, the hitter, who are you more interested in? I think I can guess Tim's answer. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. I know I can't pitch like him, but I would I would like to see if I could get him out. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that's uh, good. We probably know that it. answer, too. So that's answer's mm-hmm. no. Ah, it's the, for me, in it's your defense, I think everyone's trying to figure that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I just, yeah, I, I, just to watch him play. We just mentioned like people we'd want to see in history throughout this game. And I think we have two legends right here with Otani and Trout. Like you have to watch them play. And I've seen them in spring training, but, you know, that's a little bit different. So to see like their routines on the field and running around and practice and all that stuff. And I think, I mean, I think Otani takes batting practice, does he? Only in the cage. So like little things like that, you just always want to, I don't know, as a player, just respect and observe kind of these. The guys. thing I remember about Otani is when he came over, he pitched in a B game at Maryvale. Do you remember this, Sophia? He pitched in a B game at Maryvale at 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And there were like hundreds of people there, like a, mostly Japanese reporters who were chronicling his move to Major League Baseball. And the mostly I remember because Maria Gordado was there because I think the Giants must have been playing. She covers the Giants for MLB.com and she is our resident baker. So she bakes some really good, some really good scones. <laughs> and I remember forget, sitting up there. Otani, but the scones. <laughs> this turned into we a scone these, like, story. Homemade scones that she made in the little residence in oven. <laughs> and we were like having coffee and scones and watching Otani pitch a B game. And it was really cool. And it was just a spectacle. It was a huge show. And this is like, 10 a.m. in Maryvale. Um, certain players are special and draw a crowd, and you're like, you're drawn to them. And um, I'd love to see him pitch. It's too bad we don't, but life goes on. Two years from now, we will hopefully see him pitch because he'll be back. Right. Um, I think just what's, I mean, I'm interested to see him play live no matter what. I think it would be really cool to see him pitch as well. But I think like the WBC. As if you didn't know about Shohei Otani before the WBC, I think everyone knows about him now. I mean, there were some crazy, just statistical information about kind of his platform and his profile. Like, you know, of course that, I mean, this the you couldn't script the matchup any better, right? Of like in the WBC championship game, it's Otani on the mound facing Mike Trout for Team USA. I mean, it's just like disney movie type stuff right to win to win the wbc for japan but 
I mean, someone like he was drawing like Instagram followers by the millions and the team, the following the team Japan in the WBC, it was something like 97% of households in Japan were watching that final game of the WBC, like just insane numbers of like how much of a platform and a profile he has there and how that's growing here, like among baseball fans, I think is just really cool. And I'm not sure we've ever seen a player recently, I guess, have, have the kind of platform that he does. It's just very cool. Very, very cool to watch. Um, All right, guys, any final thoughts here on Brewers Unfiltered as we, uh, as we wrap up here? Are we doing a stat of the week? Oh, yeah, I forgot about stat of the week. Oh, Oh, no, never mind. (laughs) My stat of the week is one. Number of times Sophia has forgotten. (laughs) Stat of the week. Stat of the week. (laughs) My apologies. Do you guys have a stat of the week before we wrap it up? No, I don't. Oh, you don't? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. No, no, seriously. No, I thought this was awesome. I saw this kind of pop up on the screen. Um, I didn't work the game last night, but I was watching it. I was at my son's game. And in between innings or when he was doing something, I was watching the Brewers game and first inning Contreras is up. And at the bottom, they wrote all of his hits, which at this time was 19 hits. And it was showing their locations. He had 10 hits to right field, eight hits to center field. And my stat of the week is one as a right handed hitter. He has one hit to the left side right now. He's batting 323 after last night with 21 hits. 10 to center field, 10 to right field, only one to left field. And if you're going to teach, and I'm watching these little leaguers, and my son's real big pull happy right now. We talked about it in the car afterwards. He just loves to pull the ball. Got three hits, so I'm bragging. But the idea of what would you teach your kids about hitting, and it's being able to hit the ball to center field and to right field consistently. And William Contreras is doing that at a clip that not many people are doing. My stat is also William Contreras related. (gasps) He is... um, He's second in catcher framing runs, the stat cast metric that <clears throat> sort of puts a number behind how well catchers get strikes called around the edges of the zone. And in the story that I wrote that's on uh, brewers.com this morning, <clears throat> I talked about, like, I remember as a kid seeing more catchers sort of the down on one knee or the leg, ex- the Benito Santiago leg extended. Tony get- Pena. Tony Pena, exactly. Yeah. That has become back in vogue if you look closely and William Contreras is often down on one knee and he's still making the throws down to second base. And the idea as Nestor corridor and Pat Murphy explained in the story today is to get low and be in a super athletic position in order to sort of bring that glove up in such a way that it makes it look like a strike to the umpire. And because of the wonder of Statcast, our robot overlords down the road at Statcast headquarters, you can actually see if you look, if you go to baseballsavant.com and go into the catcher framing section, you can see all throughout baseball where catchers are the best at stealing. That's the term they use strikes. And William Contreras is one of the best in baseball at getting strikes just below the strike zone and sort of that, that low outside corner to a uh, right-handed hitter. So um, that's partly a product of being in this sort of kneeling stance that he's in. Um, and it's just an interesting little quirk of baseball because I think we've seen that go back and forth over the years. It falls in and out of favor, and it's definitely in favor again. And it's working. <laughs> it's working. Oh, but I didn't oh, even yeah. get my stat. It's 67.3%. Yeah, 
He gets 67.3% of non-swings just below the zone are called strikes uh, for William Contreras. And that is one of the highest rates in that particular zone, just below the zone over the plate in baseball. Wow. That's impressive. Mine is not about William Contreras. Um, though you guys have some great numbers on him. Mine is about Willie Adamas. He is currently leading the team in walks. He has 15 so far. His on-base percentage is 366. Um, that 15 is, is a big number for him. His career high for walks in April and March, he will tell you he's a notoriously slow starter. Um, his previous career high was 11, and that came last year. And I had a conversation with him in Seattle about – the walks and just he's been doing a lot of early work and the hits have not always been there but he is happy with how much he's getting on base but his target for this year is 70 walks um that's something that he's really going for and stressing of just like even if the hits are not falling if the power is not there he's really trying to get on base more this year and so he's doing a great job of that he's already exceeded his career high Um, again so 70 is the number for Willie that he wants to get to for walks and we've still got a couple days left April for him to add on to that total so good job Willie that's ninth in all of baseball too in walks Mm -hmm. and this is a guy that just loves to swing and at the top of that's Juan Soto who apparently doesn't like to swing so it's a good balance right there for Willie yeah. All right. So um, I think now that now that I uh, remembered to get in stat of the week and we've all shared our final thoughts, I think now we can actually wrap okay. up. Okay. But um, guys, this has been a good chat. Uh, we've got a lot more to get through on the homestand. So we've got uh, more more to follow here in the upcoming week. Should be a good weekend with the Angels coming up, um, Otani and Trout and all that good stuff. So For Adam, for Tim, for me, make sure you're following us um, on all the proper social channels. Make sure you're following the Brewers as well, at Brewers on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, all the good stuff. So thanks, guys, for tuning in. Brewers Unfiltered.